You're listening to At The Corner with Matthew Schmidt. Join us as we hear stories from founders and leaders who are in the trenches and share their stories of startup and scale-up. In raw conversation, we unpack what has gone right and what could have gone better and how to ultimately improve organizational health to grow the next big company. Now, here's your host, Matthew Schmidt. Hello, welcome to another episode of the At The Corner podcast, where we talk with other founders, CEOs, and leaders of growth stage companies and share their stories with you, the listener. I'm Matt Schmidt, your host. Today, we're joined by Carrie, CEO of Breakout, a startup building strong cultures for distributed teams. Carrie, welcome. Great to be here. So we always like to to break the ice, uh, if you've heard any of our other episodes uh, when we start here. So what was your favorite TV show or movie growing up? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. I would say I, I mean, when I was like really little, I was obsessed with uh, Never Ending Story. Mm, nice. Nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, and uh, did that change as you grew up? I'm still obsessed with that movie. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I want my own wish dragon. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. I loved uh, my so-called life when I was a teenager. It's a <laughs> sin that that was only one season long. Um, and then right now, uh, just finished watching Heartstopper. If you haven't watched it, I would highly recommend watching it on Netflix. I have not. I have not heard of that one, so I'll have to check that out. It's uh, it's funny. This morning's question in our sort of Slack reengagement bot was, "What makes you nostalgic?" So this is a that's a timely question for for the the icebreaker here. Awesome. Yeah. Watch Heartstopper. It'll make you nostalgic, even though it just came out this year. (laughs) Well, so tell us a little bit about Breakout. So Breakout, we're building the global platform for distributed culture. Um, And what we really like to consider us is facilitators of strategic fun. Um, So we believe that fun serves a huge purpose within companies um, in really connecting people, making people feel engaged, taking a break, enjoying their job. And so we want to take make sure that companies are thinking about that strategically and really using it um, to foster their other goals. Uh, it's, a, it's a great description. I know that we've used uh, Breakout at PeopleLogic here and, and found the, uh, you know, it's so hard to find great uh, events for your teams uh, that help build up the culture and don't feel like forced fun and and forced culture. So uh, it feels like you guys have really uh, struck a nerve with Breakout. Yeah, I mean, our first two products have been really about in the virtual event space. So um, we have hosted events that um, we come in and host. And we also have these um, things called breakout boxes, which are activity kits that teams can do on their own to lead their own events. Um, But all of them are always about foremost about really connecting employees and making sure that they get to know each other on a deeper level. Because what we have found and the statistics show as well that, you know, when you have work friends, um, you're three times as likely to say you love your company and twice as likely to stay there. So it's a really important thing for companies to be thinking about. 
so important these days. So what motivated you to, to start Breakout? So I have run distributed teams for over a decade before I began um, Breakout. Some of that was at Google where we had teams across the globe. Um, and then I had a previous startup where we were remote um, running that. And, you know, productivity was always high on all these teams. Um, but building culture was always something that I struggled with. Um, and it just took up a lot of time. You had to be very intentional. How do you connect people when they're not in the same room? And my background before all of that was I was an event producer and designer and really used shared experiences to connect people and realize there was an opportunity there. Um, the pandemic happened. All of a sudden, everyone was shifted to remote work. So I just started interviewing other, you know, managers and founders and discovered that everyone else struggled with this too. I talked to over a hundred people um, and, uh, you know, decided that this was a problem we're solving. Awesome. Awesome. So you've been working at it since the, the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, we uh, officially launched in August of uh, 2020. Very cool. And now have you raised money for, for breakout or have you been bootstrapping? Relatively bootstrapped. Um, we just finished Techstars. Um, so, you know, raised some money through like through that, like with with Techstars. But other than that, it's been relatively boot bootstrapped. And you're really the, the first founder that we've talked to that's gone through Techstars. Tell us a little bit about that experience. It's great. Um, so I would say that Techstars um, has a really interesting point of view. First off, it's very decentralized as a, as an accelerator. For people who don't know, it's an accelerator, um, one of the top ones in in in, in the country, and um, they accept. They have different programs throughout the world, and they accept about um, anywhere between eight and twelve companies into each cohort within different cities. So I did TechStars Austin, um, and. It was really phenomenal. <laughs> My, um, I had a managing director, um, Amos there. He basically wrote the book um, for Techstars on how do you get to repeatable revenue? Um, literally has a book called Levers that we go through throughout the thing. Um, and it's just an incredible experience where you get put with you know, entrepreneur in residence to help guide you. You get put with a bunch of mentors as well. And then you just develop close relationships with other founders going through the same thing. I mean, personally, I think it just helped me become way more process and metric driven, um, which was really helpful for the business. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so can let's switching gears just a little bit. Can you maybe talk a little bit about a time when you felt like either breakout or maybe your other startup were, were growing too fast and things were going off the rails a little bit? What did you do and how did you get back on track? Um, great problem to have. <laughs> I feel like um, we've had it. Uh, I mean, we had it. I, I think one of the times we had it uh, in the current company was back in December, just in the holidays, we're somewhat seasonal business. And like, you know, we're trying to like, people are very much more into connected, connecting their employees around certain holidays. Um, and so when like the end of last year, um, just landed a bunch of really 
big deals and didn't have the tech infrastructure built as much as we needed to, to um, be able to support them in a super sustainable way. Um, so we had to roll up our sleeves, do a lot of work. We were in the process of building that, you know, um, some more tech automations and tech infrastructure on that, but it wasn't launched until the beginning of this year. Um, and so, I mean, how we got into it is, I mean, we just have, I mean, we all rolled up our sleeves and like, really worked on got it done. Um, I think a lot of it, like daily standups are always really good for us because we can just hash through all the single problems. Um, we just have a culture of if there is a problem, people, you know, reach out and hop on a Slack call really quickly and like try to like hash it out. Um, and for that one, it was, you know, we just had a lot to get through and get done. And like, luckily we had a really strong team to do it. Very close. Sometimes you just have to grind it out, don't you? That was, it was a grind it out experience. Um. <laughs> uh, you know, those are always the stories that you look back on um, later where you, you feel like that was a moment that pulled everybody together and um, really tells a, it moves into company lore uh, down the road. Yeah, definitely. So how will you know when you're turning the corner from startup to scale up? I think you have a lot more of those experiences that I just talked about where, um, uh, you know, I think I would say the main one is just repeatability. Right. Um, and understanding exactly the formula. If I spend X more amount in marketing or in salespeople, that this is going to result in X amount of deals. Um, and so knowing that formula means like knowing, exactly what the playbook is. We, we do mainly direct sales. So like knowing exactly what the playbook is for who we should be reaching out, how do we reach out? What's our messaging? What are they buying? What are they paying? And having that be very, um, you know, repeatable and standard across, across the, across the board. And we have that in some parts of our business. Um, but in other parts, we're still trying to figure out the right packaging. And that's so, uh, that definitely takes time uh, and you have to run enough through the process to, to be able to measure. Definitely. So obviously, you know, since you started during the pandemic, I, your team has probably been uh, primarily remote. Um, you know, maybe can you talk about some of how this is managing your team and, and the culture and the health? Uh, has been different here than uh, at some of your previous experiences? Well, I've been running remote teams for a long time. And even when I was like, even at Google, where we did have a team and like I was in Google, New York, um, uh, we had a team in New York. It was always a very hybrid team where we had people at different offices. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's drastically different than what I've been doing Um and, but I mean, I think like when I think about running remote teams and how do you make it different is that you have to be really, really intentional on how you build culture and build connections. Um, and so like before it used to be that like everyone could just be like, Hey, let's go grab lunch or let's go, you know, get a beer after work. And like, that doesn't happen. Right. So you have to like set those times up. So like what we have is, at, you know, 
we have a culture committee who um, is basically working on organizing. It's around one a week of some type of fun thing, whether that is like a icebreaker at the team meeting or um, a, uh, you know, activation around Juneteenth or, um, you know, someone's birthday or something like that, where they're conscious, constantly trying to like have these moments of connection. Um, the other thing I think is really important is being able to check in with your team a lot. Um, so we instituted um, this thing called camps, um, which is from Life Labs. And if you guys aren't familiar with Life Labs, they are a workshop training company. They're great. Highly recommend it. You can do individual workshops for like 250 bucks um, per person. Um, And they just have great, um, great things, Uh, just great frameworks. And one of their frameworks on employee engagement is this thing called camps, which is certainty, autonomy, which doesn't mean that you're only working alone, but are you happy with the level of freedom you have? Um, meaning, progress, and social inclusion. And so one of the things we do is everyone reports on their camp score. So their score across those five items every single week in their one-on-one with their manager. Um, And this really helps you understand, like, is someone actually having a problem, right? Um, And what you know, what is that problem? And like having a tangible discussion about it right there. Um, So I think instituting those types of things where you just have to formalize a lot of communication because you might not be able to tell that someone over there is like really burnt out because you don't see them as much or it's hard to tell through Zoom um, and really having these ways um, for communication. Very cool. Very cool. I'll have to look into into camps uh, and the the firm you mentioned and and look and see how that could be used. Uh, that might be an interesting partnership for what we do here at uh, at People Logic. Definitely. So, what's your number one fear this year? My number one fear this year. Um, I, I mean, I think there's. I don't know if I'm, there's like fear, I think. Well, what keeps you up at night then, I suppose, is another way of uh, of thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, just what's, there's uncertainty about the economy, right? And like, what is the impact of that's going to be? And I think that's probably normal across most startups right now um, and not understanding yeah, what is it, how is it going to impact hiring? How is it going to impact engagement? I mean, our big belief is that if you are, you know, that when you have tougher times is when you need to double down on culture because you can't afford to have anyone leave. Um, But does the rest of the, you know, the market feel that way? So it's going to be interesting just to see how that plays out. Um, And, you know, that's, I think uncertainty always makes doing business harder. Absolutely. It makes the, the selling process harder. It makes the, uh, the hiring process harder. It makes everything harder, right? Um, so you guys have, obviously, you've been growing. Uh, you've had a lot of successes. Uh, and there's been a lot written about the, the challenges with, you know, hiring great talent and keeping great talent. Uh, what have you guys experienced as you've gone to, to hire new people into the organization and um, work to retain them? Well, I think right now is that 
a really hard time to hire. <laughs> That's what I would say is that, um, you know, it is just a crazy market. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that and experiencing that where it is just taking us longer to find the right people than, um, than previously, than previously was. Um, I mean, I think for us, we've just over the past few months been really working on just like fine tuning our hiring process. And that's been a huge focus for us um, just because we did make some you know, mishaps on hiring and wanted to like prevent that in the future. Um, so really defining like a scorecard, defining like, you know, training up the team on, um, you know, how to, how to interview and just, you know, becoming a lot more, um, uh, systematic in, in our hiring process. Yeah. And that's so hard to do when you're a startup and we're, you know, trying to get everybody to pull away from their, their core job to be able to actually participate in the hiring process can be a real challenge. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have such limited time. Um, but it's really important to have everyone bought in. Absolutely. And that's, we've certainly found that the more you can include the broader team and that everyone feels like they had, uh, a part to play and the, to be able to have a say in the process, I think is, uh, helps make everybody feel included. Yeah, definitely. So what advice would you give to people who are thinking about a, a startup or thinking about starting a new company? Um, I think thinking about it, really leanly um, in the sense of you can learn a lot and do a lot of testing without spending very much money. Um, and so, you know, for us, like really thinking about like, how do you, how do you put something out there? They talk about MVPs, right? And you want to put out like the smallest, the min like the smallest product out there to test and learn as quickly as possible. And I would almost say like, looking at what you're doing, is there a way to get at the fact that there's a need that you can sell into without even building a product at all? Like, right, like, let's just see, like, if you want to learn, like the first thing you want to learn, is there a need? Um, so like, can you, see if someone will buy like some type of like service um, or can you pretend there's a product on the back end, but you're doing it manually, like try to think as lean as possible because no matter what, what you think the market wants is wrong. <laughs> right? And so you don't want to waste a lot of time or money or anything like getting out there, like to building the wrong thing. Um, so just getting out there as quickly as possible. So, and there's so many incredible tools for that now, right? You can build on bubble, which is like no code tools. You can do a ton with Airtable. Um, there's just so many tools out there to be able to throw together prototypes faster than before. Um, and so, just put off building until you know what people want you to build is sort of like my biggest advice. No, that's a, that's great advice, particularly as we head into, you know, uncertain times with the economy and for fundraising and those sorts of things. Uh, understanding what you're building is, is so important. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I promise you, 
it's going to be different than what you think it is. <laughs> that, that is the only certainty for sure. Definitely. For sure. So Carrie, we've really enjoyed having you here. Um, one thing we always like to ask at the end is what other CEO or founder do you think we should have on the show next? Um, yeah, great. I mean, I think you should talk to, um, and I'll, I'll make this introduction. Um, I really love Alex Friedman. Um, and I think, um, why she's, she's so great is that, um, she basically, she has a huge following on TikTok and things like that, but like why she's great is that she really, really believes in that last point that I said of like, here's how you can build a startup with like 20 bucks, <laughs> right? Like here's how you can start things from really, really early. And I just think she's really interesting. She's the founder um, of a company that she just sold called Founder Gigs and like just as a, and used to be, uh, you know, work with tech, work at Techstars and she's just a phenomenal um, human being. Fantastic. Well, we would love a, a, an intro to Alex and look forward to having her on the show in the future. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the At The Corner podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes or more information, visit www.atthecornerpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal or financial advice. Until next time, this is the At The Corner Podcast.